Hello and welcome to Living Being. I'm Patrick Randall. I'm Verity Sharp. And I'm Chris Park. This is the podcast in which we explore everything to do with bees, wild bees, honeybees, and the benefits they bring to nature and human beings. So here we are. How are you, Chris? I'm good, thank you. Yes, all the leaves are nearly off the trees and bees are flying on a on a sunny day. Mm. You know what? I saw a I, I saw a drone uh which was really bizarre on a on a worry hive up in the woods uh last week. Really? Just kind of clinging clinging to the outside. <laughs> like like, <laughs> just like like kind of half dead. Oh yeah. Which 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 surprised me. It really surprised me. And I got, did I kind of relate to it? I'm not sure I did. I thought <laughs> oh, poor, poor thing. And and uh, but there there it was. So this week I thought I'd better go and have a look at that colony because you know, it's just been wearing in my mind. Why was there a drone on the outside of that hive, you know, in November? Yeah. And uh and what's going on inside the hive? And it, but it's one of those those worry hives with a bit of glass at the back so you can take off a um, a piece of wood and then look at the bees through this piece of glass yeah. Oh, yeah. so so I did that yesterday because I was thinking oh maybe maybe there's a it collapsed and there was just a few drones left inside and and then they've eaten everything and that must come out to come out to see see what if there's anything else to eat and sort of just died of the cold yeah and uh but happily uh it's full of bees so that's good, good. Oh, good. Full of worker, worker bees. Yeah. And maybe, they just, maybe they're evolving to be more drone friendly. I don't know. Maybe they just had lots of stores or, or it could, but it did seem um, odd to see that. Yeah. But it's, or is it climate change? Who knows? Could be, couldn't it? <laughs> I mean, what are we now? It's yeah. the third week of November. It's still incredibly mild. Um, you know, we, but we have just kind of um, up sticks just to Pembrokeshire. <laughs> Again, it's mild here, which I wasn't expecting. I've brought nothing but jumpers with me. Um, and we're really quite warm. Um, but we haven't bought the bees. The bees are still kind of hunkered down back in Wiltshire. But I haven't seen any bees flying around here at all. You know, we're near the hills. The gorse is in full flower. Um, oh, right. You know, there's a lot going on. But I haven't seen any of you, Patrick. You know, no. We've been out and about. We haven't even seen any bumblebees either. No. Wasps and wasps. Are, nope. Any wasps there? Nope. In fact, now I'm thinking a, about it. Very a, few flying insects at all. <laughs> yeah, it's just a different, a different environment, isn't it, to what you're used to? Yeah. yeah. And may, maybe, maybe uh, your Wiltshire bees might feel a bit different. <laughs> I don't know. How yeah. do you feel about that? Mo- moving, moving the Wiltshire bees. I know. To, to, I'm. To West yeah. Wales. Yeah, I'm a bit worried. The whole, the whole climate might be different from the 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 wind, the rain. Although when it's windy and rainy in Wiltshire, I've seen them flying, and uh, yeah, and yeah, and of course the big question of forage—that's that's a huge question. We've arrived here in November, so obviously there isn't a lot mm-hmm. around. Uh, wouldn't be a lot of, a lot around at this time of year anyway. But it's knowing, it's kind of trying to look into the crystal ball and see what's going to be there, you know, for them uh, in spring and and going forward to yeah, summer. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of um, there's lots of willow. Lots of goat willow. Oh, that's good. So that's they'll good. do really well in spring, I think. Uh, so you're thinking of moving them in the spring, or uh, maybe? Or I mean, may, there's the... no major hurry, but I'm kind of um, missing 
looking yeah, in of on course. them. I, I, I feel a little bit disconnected from them. I feel like I've left them behind in a sense. I mean, I know that I, even if I was there, I wouldn't be looking in the hives anyway, but um, I just feel at some point we need, we need to be reunited. Mm. Maybe, move, yeah. <laughs> maybe moving them in the winter. I don't know. But um, the, the other thing is that, you know, ultimately what one should have is a sort of locally adapted bee, you know, something like the Welsh, the Welsh black bee or something. Mm. Yeah, but that will happen, won't it? They'll, they'll, will mate with yeah. local bees and, and they will adapt. Yeah, yeah. But it is, it's that feeling of disconnection kind of just runs throughout everything, I think, whenever you move um, locations or anything really changes in life. It's just kind of what you expect to go through, isn't it? Anyway, it's very, very nice to sit here talking to old friends yeah. um, and just do that thing. So what are we doing <laughs> in this episode? We are going to talk to James Fernley. Now, who is James Fernley? James Fernley is a prolific... Uh, actor for social change. That's what uh, the, the thread that I see running through his life, beginning in 1968 with the mm. student uh, revolution, and then he moved into like self-sufficiency, mm. and uh, which branched out into home education and education otherwise, and then he got into bees somewhere along the line, and amazingly into propolis. He kind of specialised in the the propolis, which is the the glue that with which bees kind of varnish the inside of their of their home it's like the immune system of the hive and he's you know he's into theater he's into so many different things and and his latest projects are so inspiring mm-hmm. looking at apiceuticals and and the projects he has up in for a center up in up on the yorkshire moors where there's lots of heather and it's um, i mean what a great great guy to have on this podcast yeah and i guess that thread coming f- uh, you know thinking about why he got into bees is that kind of alternative although i hate that word medicine and looking at you know the natural get away from corporate pharmaceuticals and things like that and actually find these natural products and in the early 90s he founded this thing called bee health limited which was a, as a, a natural medicines company um but i think yeah he's honed in on on the power of propolis hasn't he and that's um definitely what we're going to be talking to him about and he's also going to tell us about his amazing bee arc project and uh, arc stands for apiceutical research center i believe and uh, anyway without further ado let's go and listen to um our conversation with james hello hello patrick hello verity hello chris yeah thanks for joining us it's mm. a real treat for us and and, and actually i've only known you and as a propolis expert and you know and recently the apiceutical venture but looking at your cv that you sent you're it's so fascinating and really impressive you seem to be working for social change since your student era through uh, home education and of course healthcare and, and other projects it's uh, i think uh, we're lucky to we're lucky to have you with us <laughs> yes really it is a really fascinating journey yeah well thank you I'm not sure whether in 1968 everything went wrong or, or, or went right. I was destined to be a uh, a barrister, uh, but in 1968 there was such a there was such a swell of of activity, and uh, yeah, I, I signed up. I thought everything was going to change, and of course it didn't. But uh, uh, I think there's still a few of us around who are, are are pursuing, if you like, the spirit of what what grew in those days. I think it's coming back, James. I think more and, pe- more and more people are feeling empowered by those kinds of ways of thinking. 
Yeah, yeah, I think maybe they are. It, it's interesting, it's just sort of, you know, we've just passed that 50-year mark since 1968. Um, yeah, I think things do come in cycles. Mm. And and I I have the feeling that that COVID, you know, could could be it has has had a sort of kind of awakening effect whether we're going to kind of spring back to something even harder than we had before i don't know but mm. uh, i'm i'm very hopeful that what what we're trying to do particularly with the br project which is looking not just at um not just at, if you like the the role of the honeybee but the the way in which the honeybee can can as it were inspire our not just our economic life but our social life and our cultural and spiritual life as well mm. and i think there's there's a lot of people out there you know i think who are looking for some access points some kind of contact points uh where they can begin to kind of explore some of those things again absolutely so so mm. when did bees come into your life well um i guess i guess 191990 um I'd 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 moved from Suffolk to to Whitby in North Yorkshire, and we set up a whole food shop and a vegetarian cafe, in a sense uh, pursuing this whole idea of, of how to how to, um, uh, well, how to have a how to have an effect on on your local community, uh, and you know I I met a beekeeper who was selling honey and he said oh i'm i'm um i'm into this stuff called called propolis and bang that was it we ended up setting up a business um that business really struggled for maybe i don't know uh, a year or so i think the first year we 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 took about 20,000 pounds but the second year as a result of t- talking to a, a a a journalist on a national newspaper the second year, we took one point five million pounds. Uh, it was an absolutely extraordinary set of circumstances. Uh, we had a full-page piece about Propolis in the Sun newspaper, <laughs> and it had our telephone number at the bottom of it. Mm. And as a result, we had something like thirty thousand phone calls. Wow! So, like the equivalent uh, of going viral, isn't it? In in analog days. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. B- BT were tearing their hair out. We had to put eleven. We had to put eleven new lines on into this little basement office that we had, where we ran the, the this uh, uh, B Health as it was then. Yeah. It was. It was. It was just extraordinary. We, um, we should probably back up, James, and just get you to you know tell us about what Propolis is. Um, so you know what is it and why is it. You know why does it have this obviously so clearly incredible um, healing power to it? Well, I think, I think, I think to really get to the to the root of it, we have to look what what is it doing for the honeybee? Why do the bees? Mm. Why do the bees produce this substance called called propolis? Because propolis, propolis is, is is the word was coined by Aristotle and it means before the city pro propolis. You know, so it it. Basically, it's the defender of the city. So the bees, the bees go out and they collect resin from trees and plants. They bring it back to the hive, 
they process it in the hive, they transform a number of the different chemicals in, in the resins and they combine it with wax and they use it as a kind of building material, but basically they use it to, so to speak, disinfect and disinfect the, the hive and, and, and create effectively a, a sterile environment, more sterile than most hospitals. So effectively that product, that substance is the bees, you know, the bee is a superorganism, <clears throat> it, but it doesn't have a, it doesn't, so to speak, have a skin. In a way, the propolis is providing the kind of immune defense mechanism for the, for the honeybee. Why is it so important for us? Well, we know it's important because it's been used for thousands of years. It was used by the Greeks, it was used by the Romans, it was used by the, 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 the Arab doctors. It, it's, it's been there for thousands of years. And I think that basically, the, the, you know, if you, if, you look at the, if you look at the beehive, the temperature inside a beehive is, is very similar to the temperature inside the human body. And I think here's a major clue as to why uh, propolis is so uh, powerful for human beings. Um, yeah, it, uh, I mean, of, of all the science that's been done, basically, in a sense, what, what propolis is doing in the human body, it's encouraging the human being's immune defense mechanism to be antibacterial or to be anti-inflammatory or to be antifungal uh, so it, it's addressing so to speak the the wholeness of the human body in the same way as propolis for the bee for the bee and the beehive is addressing the wholeness of the beehive oh that's so so great to hear you talking about propolis in in su such a succinct way i've, I've learned something recently about it uh, that i hadn't considered before and that the bees must have known this somehow, is that the, that the resins and the balms and the saps that come from the tree are, are the tree's way of protecting themselves when a tree gets cut or when the bud is in that kind of fragile moment of opening. Mm. So, it's, it, so the proposition is actually originally the immune system of, of the plant kingdom of, and the trees and the, the species that, they, that produce them. And the bees kind of know that. And how do they know that? And, and, and they've brought it home. And just like many of the other bee medicines, they kind of have this plant medicinal herbal medicinal kind of practice of gathering things into their home that has to be so yeah, yeah. so clean inside because their brood are kind of open to the air and, and but they do something magical to it don't they? they they change they change pollen they ferment the pollen and they change nectar into honey and they and they change the propolis somehow and and uh, so mm. what do they do do they do they just add enzymes or do they i mean what's the magic that they've got or do we do we even know well, we we know we know that they we know we know quite a lot about the sort of chemistry of of propolis. I think you're speaking about something which is really fundamental to our understanding. And if you want to try, if if for a moment you look at it uh, in in a in a in a slightly more naive way, you're right. What the bee is doing is collecting the plant and the tree's immune defense mechanism. And it's taking it back to the hive and it's elevating within its elevating it within its own organism and it's turning turning it into its immune defense mechanism. Uh -huh. uh, and uh, in a sense, 
in a sense, the honeybee in this sense is a bridge between the plant and the human being, you know, because yeah, the, yeah. the the honeybee the honeybee is actually is actually collecting something which lives at a higher level than the plant. Uh, so anyway, I, I I sometimes give talks to herbalists uh, because we we also manufacture herbal medicines. But uh, I I talk about the honeybee as a as an extraordinary herbal pharmacist because what it is doing mm-hmm. is it is collecting the 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 herb or the plant's immune defense mechanism and it's in adapting it beautifully to its own system yes and then we collect it from them and adapt it to our system hopefully and and, and is it true it has a kind of modulatory regulatory effect on us rather than just boosting the immune system if you're if uh if it's low it can also bring it down if it's working too high is, is yes, that correct. Yes, absolutely. I think it. It, uh, it. You know, if if it's if your immune system's down, it brings it up. If it, if it's too high, it it sort of tempers it down. And I don't know how. I don't know how that works. It's like an intelligent medicine, isn't it? So it has intelligence rather than just something that pharmacists have synthesized from nature to knock something out. It has this. This real intelligence about it, isn't it? It's it does. It does. I think there's a there's a really there's a, a really interesting uh, thing that we've discovered over mm, maybe the last sort of fifteen years. One is that the antibacterial, so-called antibacterial properties of propolis are much stronger in areas where it's very hot and very wet. You know. There's something very obvious about that, of course, isn't there? Because where it's very mm-hmm. hot and very wet, the the honeybee needs something. Uh, it it is an, it's under a much greater threat from bacteria. Yeah, the trees will get more yeah. mould and lichen or something. I don't know. Exactly, uh, and and the other th- the other you know discovery that we made quite by chance actually was that we we were looking at some propolis from the Cameroon, in an area where there was sleeping sickness physically an area of sleeping sickness which affected uh, uh, the population in that area and we found uh, uh, we found in that propolis an anti-trypanosome chemical i mean a, a chemical that was associated with if you like orthodox treatment of of uh-huh. sleeping sickness so what 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 that did in my own imagination and what in a sense we've been exploring ever since is the is the concept that what the what the bee is doing is sort of is collecting the plant world's generic response to the threats which it faces mm-hmm. it's taking it back to the hive it's it's transforming it in the hive and it's turning it into its unique you know um immune defense mechanism mm-hmm. so we have the opportunity to think about Propolis being um, having specific properties, so for instance, we find that in temperate climates, uh, the there are there are more flavonoids in uh, in propolis, and the and the flavonoids are more related to antioxidant properties. Antioxidant properties are more related to, if you like, anti-inflammatory function, whereas if you go into the tropical uh, if you go into the tropical areas, you get a preponderance of phenolic compounds, and the phenolic compounds, uh, the phenols, 
they are more related to an antibacterial function. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a very sort of simple kind of uh, divide on the basis of, of bacterial, but, but what it's really expressing, I think, is that the honeybee is picking up its lo local defence uh, mm, mechanism from the local from its local yeah, environment yeah. the local mm -hmm. plants it's it's a, it's a it's an it's a phenomenally uh you know complex uh and, and ultimately mysterious process yeah. so so uh, would you recommend local propolis for local people like you know there's a thing of having local honey might be good for your uh pollen allergy or something is is that something that i i I, I certainly would, yeah. I mean, I think yeah. I think that's the ideal, but of course, that that brings medicine back very mm -hmm. much more to a kind of local uh, <laughs> environmental yeah, scale. Yeah. So, so, sourcing uh, your medicine. So <laughs> you, you you know you. I mean, ultimately, the ideal there where you would go to your local beekeeper in the same way in which you went to the yeah. local herbalist, you know, or, or become and, the local beekeeper, even better. Or, yeah, indeed. Yeah, <laughs> a, a friend of mine was years ago was really into it. Let's you know, green Japanese green propolis, and mm. he'd read something. I think it was just a, an article, probably in a newspaper or something, and he got really in, into that. And 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 of course, it, it does have so many different phytological. Um, herbal sources just like honeywood and pollenwood and and that's that's an interesting thing when you when one thinks about medicine and how how uh you have i guess like producing anything if you try and produce the same thing exactly the same all the time that must be a, a very difficult thing for someone like yourself producing a propolis medicine or or, or is it less challenging than, than one yeah. might think well to have that standard that you always I, Yes, the same thing. I'd I'd like to talk that. Uh, I'd like to follow that in a second. But I just wanted yeah. you refer to Brazilian propolis. It's another very good example. Uh, the the uh, Brazilian propolis, really the, the 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 form that was that became popular to begin with, uh, was a propolis uh, that came from a plant called Baccharis draconiculifolia, and this was a. Uh, this was a uh, this is a plant. It's a it's a it's a form of the uh, the rosemary, but it grows in the polluted environment that was Minas Gerais in in Brazil. Minas Gerais, as the name suggests, was an area of general mining, and and the the miners left a, a tremendously polluted environment. But this plant grew in that environment. And it overcame the tendency to become cancerous itself. Now the bees love this plant, and they go to the they go to the um, the the resin glands in the uh, in the buds. They bite down into these buds, and they suck out the resin. They take it back to the hive, and that becomes part of their propolis. Now the Brazilian scientists have been looking at that, find that find that. That particular propolis has a particularly cytotoxic effect, so so um, so they've been exploring the 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 value of that propolis as a as a um, you know as a treatment or as an aid to the treatment for cancer. Mm -hmm. So if you see where I'm going with this, the um, yes propolis has generic effect. So um, and I'm going to come back to this this issue of um, you know how do you how do you get a, a product uh, commercially which can become you know of useful useful to 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 human beings well uh, 
propolis has this generic uh, effect, but it also has this specific effect. So I think mm -hmm. generally speaking, if you live in a temperate climate, you're better off with, with propolis from a temperate um, mm -hmm. um, zones. And if you, if you live in a, a tropical or subtropical environment, you're probably better off with, with propolis from a, a tropical mm -hmm. zone. But Does it also have antiviral properties? I mean, also, you know, can it help us with COVID? <clears throat> the, the whole the whole antiviral thing is it's very interesting because uh, I think it was something like 20 years ago there was a scientist in Germany Bent Hafstein who um, spoke about the way in which um, propolis deals with viruses and essentially what he said was that you know viruses have a protein coating to them uh, what the flavonoids in propolis do is that they seal up that protein coating, i.e. They, the, they stop the virus from, so to speak, leaking into the human being. So they're not killing the virus, they're disabling the virus. Mm -hmm. So this is conflict resolution by negotiation rather than by, you know, shock and awe. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> which is, you know, which is, which is the antibiotic model is a that the you know the pharmaceutical model is about killing it's about mm. it's about destroying whereas the the natural medicine model which has certain difficulties with it in terms of the concepts of cure uh and immediacy but nevertheless that process is more enduring it's slower but it it operates through through disabling rather than destroying Mm -hmm. so, so the idea would be that you would take it daily um, as a kind of, you know, what, what I suppose we would term a preventative um, rather than, you know, you get COVID or, or, or whatever and start taking it, it then. It would be something that would be in your immune system to make your immune system equipped with, with whatever um, tools it needed to fight whatever comes into it on any given day. Is that... Is that the more the yeah, idea? Yeah, I, th I mean, I, th I think you can take it, you, you know, uh, both before and after, so to speak. Uh, I mean, the, there's some very interesting re clinical research going on with a group of doctors in Brazil where where, where COVID has, has been, uh, as, I think it's sort of almost number one, isn't it, in terms of deaths in, in Brazil. But um, what they've been doing because you can't have a clinical trial for for uh, it's very difficult to have a clinical trial for for a natural product because you're never going to get a substance which is always the same mm. which is you know pharmaceuticals as you know are targeted often single molecule synthetic things so and that the whole licensing process is based on that but what they what they have done what they are doing right now and and one paper has already already been published about it is that uh, they're combining propolis with pharmaceutical drugs to treat COVID hmm. and, and getting some remarkable results. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, and this, in a way, is my, this is my great dream for, for future medicine, that somehow we can take the, all the, the amazing benefits of the... the, 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 the the immediacy of um, uh, pharmaceutical medicine without having to pay the price of resistance uh, and side effects and, and so on. Mm. 
And it seems to me that uh, if we can combine the, the um, you know, uh, orthodox medicines with propolis, we can we can have the we can have the big guns, and we can also have the negotiators to follow up and mop up and sustain the uh, sustain the body through the the challenge of the antibiotic. Yeah. It's a little bit like um, probiotics work. You know, I mean, you're basically, you know, you might take pro- probiotics um, if you're taking an anti uh, if you're taking a. Uh, uh, um, a pharmaceutical drug because because then it would that would sustain the good bacteria um in the context of a antibiotic destroying all the bacteria indiscriminately mm-hmm. so, so and, yeah. and how do you actually physically take it because i mean we you know we keep bees so every so often we we kind of take a bit from the hive and you you know it's kind of a slight challenge as to where to put it in your mouth to avoid it getting stuck all over your teeth and burning your tongue and all the rest of it but presumably there's other ways that that, that you're coming up with which makes it more user-friendly yeah i mean i i i I talked to a group of beekeepers in liverpool uh once and this this 80 odd year old guy produced this little um tin of propolis balls which he'd He'd rolled up and then coated in uh, in uh, icing sugar, and uh, he he had one of these little balls every day, uh, and uh, great great idea. Of course, it's not something that necessarily everybody can do. So you know, it, I mean, in mm-hmm. in the in the commercial world, it's obviously it's refined. That's that's number one because it it has to be. You've got to take out the bees' wings and the bits of wood and the um, and other pollutants mm. these days, but uh, then then we turn it into to liquids, tinctures, capsules, tablets, creams, and all sorts of things. But we're also developing you know, unique delivery systems. So we have a we have a we have a product designed for the, the the dental market, which we're developing, which is a which is a polymer patch impregnated with with propolis, which you can which will basically stick to the oral mucosa so you can put it over the mouth ulcer uh, and it it will slowly it'll slowly dissolve uh delivering the delivering the propolis to the right place at the right time so there there is a whole there's a whole science of of where and how you deliver the the uh, propolis to the right area so uh, for instance if you know, it's it's absolutely brilliant in the mouth, and I've written a book about its use in in oral healthcare with a with a, a a leading UK dentist, and we're just about to publish a paper on the on the use of propolis in dental care. Uh, um, yeah, it's fantastic in the mouth, and you you're best off with either the liquid or with other products that will stick to the oral mucosa. But if you want to get something, let's say to into your your stomach, maybe you're dealing with a um, you know a duodenal ulcer or or some other sort of condition. Sort of um, Then your bowels. Yeah, you, yeah, that's right. You 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 you'd be better off using something that that disperses once it gets into the stomach like a capsule or, like a, or, capsule, yeah. Yeah. or a tablet. Most beekeepers I know that, that produce propolis, they, they do, do exactly that. They, they will have a screen on top of the hive and they'll freeze it and powder it and put it into a, into a small capsule and, and sell it like that. But I'm, I'm picking it off. I've got the laptop on a beehive here. I'm just, you know, routinely most days I just pick a bit off from something and do exactly that as your friend did, you know, roll them into balls and have them 
you know, up on the cupboard over there, just, you know, even stuck onto the dashboard of the car sometimes or a walking <laughs> stick, you know, just always popping it in <laughs> here and there and everywhere. Absolutely, but, yeah. But that, I mean, that's, a, that's a privilege of a beekeeper, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. yeah. And, and yeah. after that, that, that tabloid splash that you had, James, where, you know, you got that huge response, um, did that mm. tail off? And, and, and so, so, you know, how do sales compare, UK sales, because presumably this changes um, in attitudes around the world, because, you know, um, mm. I mean, for pure kind of binary east-west divide, I imagine um, people in, in the eastern part of, of the globe are kind of more open to, to herbal ideas anyway than we are in the west. We've become very kind mm. of tied to the pharmaceutical industry, haven't we here? So mm. so is it turning a tank around to get people to, to buy into, uh, you know, um, I mean, the public, you know, users of this sort of thing? Um, and and yeah, so and how does it? You know, what happened after that tabloid kind of euphoria? Did it did it sustain, or did it tail off again, or or what? Yeah, it definitely definitely tailed off. Um, uh, you know that the the phenomenon which I think is 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 still present that um, we're all still looking for the kind of the the, the new miracle product that is going to you know whether it's sharks cartilage or you know what or whatever there's been a whole range of them and they come and they go and and I could see that I could see that propolis would 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 come and go as well and uh it was it was after that that I I really sort of set set sail for for a kind of looking at ways of building the kind of evidence base for propolis so that it could actually live live longer and 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 um you know um be of more well just be of more value mm. to because because you know the things that rise very quickly they often die very quickly as well and but you're right propolis is um you know propolis was much more used in for instance eastern europe for you mm. know back back in the sort of uh, and in communist times, in communist countries, of course, to begin with, there were no patent medicines. Yeah. So actually, actually, scientists were exploring natural products for what they did <laughs> and not for what they could get out of them. They were looking for effectiveness. Mm -hmm. And so there was some amazing research, for instance, done by the Kazan Veterinary Institute, um, I mean, one piece of research in 1975 showed that if you mixed propolis with um, with then the then antibiotics, it would improve the antibiotic between be, be, be between ten and a hundred times. It, or so they thought, you know, um, you know, was it the propolis that was doing the work, or was it the antibiotic? In my mind, it is the combination. Mm. Uh, you know. Um, but just imagine the impact of that, for instance, on on our glo on global health, if we could actually if we could actually uh, produce a, uh, a that kind of combination product, which would both give you the effective treatment for you know sometimes very um, uh, very difficult to treat uh, bacteria, and would also say it would also you know sustain your immune system mm -hmm. so that the next time you needed an antibiotic you weren't you didn't you know you, you weren't they weren't at a loss for what to use yeah uh, because they become resistant and that seems so same so, I mean, in, in an era of antibiotic resistance you know increasing 
that just, um, yeah, that sounds like music to people's ears. It was once known as the Russian antibiotic, wasn't it, propolis? Yes, yes, it was. And, uh, and yeah, and so it should have been. I mean, the, there's amazing research that come out of, the, come out of Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, the, it, in Western terms, it was always rather mocked because it didn't fulfil the same kind of apparently, you know, rigorous scientific yeah, yeah. model that we were looking at in uh, looking at in the West at the time. But I think we're just mixing our metaphors with that because actually the you know the rigorous science behind pharmaceutical medicine when it comes down to it is not quite as rigorous in terms of yeah. developing safe and quality products as it makes out to be. I read your book years ago and the one thing that stuck in my mind was the flavonoid information actually that kind of that magical way that they just surround things and I guess like the bees would completely coat a mouse in a, inside a beehive and it would stop its decay. I just want to plug your book really by saying that and I wanted to say that, that it's, it's called, um, I've forgotten what it's called. Uh, can you remember what it's called, James? <laughs> Is it something like nat- Propolis, the, uh, the natural medicine natural from the hive? Natural healing so, from the hive. Natural yeah, healing properly. from the hive. So, yeah, so thank it's, you. Prob- it's probably the most comprehensive and accessible book on Propolis ever written. Um, in the English language. Uh, and and you, you've forgotten the title, Chris, because we're borrowing oh it off you. Have you got it in front of you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We've got your copy. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was the only book I felt like was worth borrowing from, because I first read it about 10 years ago, borrowing from the from the local bee club at the time. And it, it's absolutely... So, James, that's, that's fascinating. And, and I highly recommend it to anybody that has even an inkling of an interest mm. in bees uh, and, and medicine and natural medicines. And also your website... James, we have many websites, but the current most, I suppose, most impressive and one that I'd like to see supported is the, is the Bee Arc, the Bee Apiceutical Research Centre and the plans and dreams and visions you have for that and the way you talk about also the Bee Vital work you do and the way you talk about that, that this, this current place in history as a, from the alternative uh, herbal medicinal apitherapist kind of point of view and and all the legalities around that and I think you've you've pitched that in a way you've the way you've expressed that is very helpful. Tell us a bit about what what the bee arc is James. Well um, the the concept's evolving I mean it's 11 years ago that I I started the Apicidical Research Centre and what I wanted to do was to provide a, a vehicle through which we could bring people uh, who were working scientifically on on propolis together in in one way or another, and I'd been working for a number of years with uh, with mm, Dr. Dave Watson up at the University of Strathclyde, and um, and we decided we'd we'd hold a, the, a, an initial conference. So we had a very small conference on um, on uh, about propolis, rather ambitiously entitled "Future Medicine," and we had forty, forty or fifty people came to it. But what came, what came out of that was um, a, 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 an international conference in two thousand and sixteen, also uh, at the University of Strathclyde, where we had something like one hundred and twenty scientists from all over the world come to talk about uh, propolis. And then what came out of that was was the International Propolis Research Group, and we're we're now we're now working on the third international conference, which is due to be held in Istanbul. Well, it was due to be held um, a year ago, uh, but of course, 
COVID has seen to that. So we're looking at 2022. So the initial the initial idea was to build a centre where we could uh, coordinate and bring together um, scientists to explore and uh, uh, and and understand and collaborate in uh, in developing the the uh, this I think just amazing substance and uh and we've done that you know uh, and and i think that process has actually led to a much more coherent and formidable um body of evidence for for propolis and I, and i'm very happy to have been kind of involved in that but but your dream but, is to build a physical building right it is to build a physical building but in in the sort of journey from trying to, you know, first of all, bring scientists together. I think I've become increasingly aware of the, of the greater meaning, purpose, value, whatever you want to say, of the honeybee in general. And in line with, what, with much of what I've been trying to do throughout my life, I think, is uh, I believe that the, the honeybee, its kind of social organisation, and and its spiritual meaning, its cultural and spiritual meaning. I mean, if you look at, if you look at the cultural meaning of of the the honeybee, the honeybee has always been there right from the beginning that human beings began to think about their existence, uh, in a in a if you like a contextual way. The honeybee was there as a sort of stepping stone, so to speak, in a religious context, as a stepping stone to uh, to a greater understanding of self mm. i'm trying not to use some some you know words with with which have loaded meanings but uh, for instance the the priests the the priests at ephesus at the great uh, temple of of artemis the 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 priests were called essene which is means king bee <laughs> the priestesses were called melissa mm. Their process of the process of initiation, if you like, uh, i.e., that that journey towards greater understanding of of who we are, the process was was very much based on the nature and imitating and and pursuing the sort of if you like the the essential spiritual context of the honeybee. So, and I think the, the so the honeybee has always been, so to speak, a, a companion for human beings and i think it's time and i think we are beginning to realize that it has a much greater meaning than than mm. providing <clears> something <throat> sweet to go on our toast yeah. in the beginning but, was the bee mm, loving this. well in the beginning was was the word and and in a way those those mystery schools at ephesus for instance the yeah. the honeybee is is, the is word. about the logos <laughs> mysteries yes and if, it is about, if even the name for bee in in the old Sumerian traditions of pre-rabbinical Judaic sort of earlier traditions, even the name for bee is the same name for word. Yeah. And, that, and of course, through those traditions, we, we have that, that doctrine in the beginning was the word. So you, you, yeah. can, you can kind of, you can kind of I don't know, change that around a bit and say in the beginning was the bee and that, that mellifluous kind of uh, oratory, oratory bardic medium-used sort of tradition of of that creative strategy of the bee and all of its work and and and, and the beginnings it's, it's all there isn't it? it's rich symbolism 
Yeah. But, but it's not. But it's not just hippie reverie and a sort of doting no. druidry. It's actually there's there's science amongst yeah, the seance. Yeah, there's there's yeah. really good practical reasons why bees are so revered and all their products are so revered because they are so health giving and life preserving. Um, just just to to, to, to to go purely practical, but just before we we, we wrap up, but um, going back to propolis, um, James, I'm just kind of aware. Is there any risks involved? I mean, do can people, you know, if people are listening to this and think that's the product for me, are there any kind of allergic reactions or anything that people can have? Is there, is there any, you know, warnings? Um, there, there are very few contraindications for, for propolis uh, uh, unless, I mean, d- d- depending on the fact that you're, you're going to get a good quality product. But if you're going to the beehive then, uh, you know, one of the things that people get is um, dermatitis from handling properly. So you can get, you can get those kind of allergic responses from, from excessive handling of, of propolis. But um, there, are, there, are, there are very, very few known, if you like, yellow card side effects for propolis. But then there's, there's a you know, it's that that's it's also a very difficult and complex area to try and yeah. to try and monitor as well because the the science really isn't there. The reality is, of course, as with herbal medicines, it has been used. <laughs> it's got a safety history going mm-hmm. back thousands of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is one of the things that I think the the those who are seeking to regulate herbal medicine seem to forget. You know, when they talk about oh, her, her, some herbal medicines can be very dangerous. Of course they could. You know, if you if you take too much of it or take the, of the mm-hmm. wrong thing. But for most things, there's a massive amount of human data that says these things are safe and it's the same with propolis yeah 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 and it's, yeah. it has that it has does it has that folk tradition that time-tested age-old wisdom about it and, and and use and perhaps you know in a way maybe the future of medicine might be people insourcing their kind of prophylactic preventative medicines at home from their garden and beehive and and, and other things rather than that that old system of having a industry that's churning out medicines for people. There's that kind of whole zeitgeist at the moment, that whole kind of thing of, of locally sourcing your food and your, and your mm. entertainment and your community. And, and that, that, that feels like part of the picture, perhaps. Absolutely. And I think this is, to go back to the B-Arc, you know, the, the, the B-Arc is ARC, A-R-C, mm. as opposed to A-R-C. Okay, but in a sense it is it is I do see it as a kind of arc for our for our thinking really because I think we can I think we can look at for instance the social organization of the honeybee and we could learn a great deal from that what you've just said Chris in a sense um, you know in, in, in a sense can never exist unless our entire social and economic structure changes and becomes more local more 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 meaningful more relationship based more trusting more you know more connected you know i mean and our culture today is exactly the reverse of that yeah. it's but it's collapsing 
It's in a slow state of yeah. collapse and climate change and, and, and social change. And it, I think what you did in 1968, what you began to do, um, put roots down, like mycelium's growing underneath all of culture. Mm. And now the, the, the mushrooms are sort of starting to poke up through the grass. You know, that, that's my view of, uh, of what's happening. Very good. I like it. Good, yeah. <laughs> we should let you go, James. It's been absolutely fascinating talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. Well, mm. thank you for thank the you. opportunity to talk about it. It's something that... Uh, I could go on and on about. Yeah, well, I, I could listen and listen and talk more and more. And, and I, hope, I hope that happens. So thank you. Thank you for your time. That was fascinating, wasn't it? And, and I, I'm so wish that, that, that the B-Arc does get built. If you go to the, to the website of the Apocytical Research Centre. So it's www.bweaarc.com. Is that right? Yeah, yeah I think so, up. yeah. The, yeah, then they, you can see all the plans they have for this beautiful building. You know, it's hexagonal <laughs> with, and with le- lecture theatres <laughs> and, and then um, and this whole kind of sustainable beekeeping venture that's planned to go around it. So it's not... It, that's the great thing. It's not just... Um, it's not just apiotherapy and bee medicines. It's also uh, it's also very ethical beekeeping. You know, rather than you know just um, industrial beekeeping, harvesting these medicines for for the good of human beings. It's it's got this great ethos of of sustainable beekeeping. So it's such mm. a good thing. Yeah. I had to I hope that happens. I really wish. Oh, wish wouldn't it, it be amazing to see it? Yeah, I think it will because James is so single minded and so he's so driven. Everything he's done, uh, it sounds to me that, you know, he's just he's just been behind it 100 percent and he's never drifted. And he's always had these he's had setbacks and things like that. But he's had this kind of drive towards uh, achieving what he wants to achieve. You know, it's amazing. And what an amazing thing propolis is you know and, and all those insights that he had into that i was completely blown away from, really from, right from when he, he pointed out that it's propolis you know that what is it the um in front of the city this idea that propolis is this defense you know that will build up your immune system and and the way that it feeds into life as it is at the moment with this kind of fight against covid because you know we're talking now we've we've got the vaccine um that's just been announced but you know really that's fighting fire after it's, you know, kind of, you know, ripping through ever, isn't it? And, and yet here's a, a natural product that can give you immunity from within. And actually, because this isn't going to be the last virus that we're thro- that's thrown at us, is it? So, you know, taking something like propolis sounds to me like an incredibly good yeah, idea. Yeah, really. Yeah. Do you take it regularly, Chris? Yes, I do. Yeah, very regularly, actually. There's always some around. And... It's, if ever I get a toothache, I just wedge it in and it miraculously disappears. And also, I'd like to, you can roll it into tiny little pills and, and just eat those. But I think the best thing is, is especially for something like a COVID or, or a cold or, a, or anything throat respiratory related, it's just to grab a, you know, a, a piece of maybe the size of heart, a pea or maybe something a bit smaller and just wedge it onto the molars at the back. And it just so every time you swallow, you just you, you, you get this propolis infused saliva just going down into your throat and then, of course, into your stomach and into the rest of your gut. And it's, as you've just learned from James, it's such good medicine. And I also love the that fact that it also comes from trees. You know, I was kind yeah. of just thinking of it as this hive product. But actually what's happened is that the bees have 
learnt from the trees, you know, evolved to know that what the trees are are giving up is the thing, um, you know, that's just so incredibly beneficial. It's just a yeah, beautiful yeah. kind of circular thing. Yeah. It is, isn't I've, it? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I've just recently, I just recently found out that ants also use uh, use tree resin oh, as well really? in a similar way. Um, did you know that, Chris? It's um, I didn't know that. No, yeah, no, they do. And um, I know, you know, all credit to the bees. And everything. This is what our podcast is about, bees. <laughs> but um, let the ants take some credit as well because they do they do exactly the same thing. It's antibacterial and um, okay. You know, they they drive out infection. Uh, they they treat infection in similar ways. I think. I mean, it's all very complicated social insect stuff, but it's uh, it's amazing, really. That is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, we could plaster our houses with something. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> uh, actually, no, no, you, you might you might laugh at this, but actually, cow dung, uh, once it's dried, is antibacterial. Right. And uh, so so when when you you know sometimes we can look at the. You know, the ancient world or the developing world of people who who still plaster the, their walls with cow dung um, with pity but actually there's wisdom in the old ways and that cow dung once it's cured is antibacterial and if it's skimmed onto the floor of a house in India or something then the flea population just plummets wow. so so, so oh, these way the way architecture you know I've, I've read a book once it's called the beehive metaphor and it's fascinating it's all about how architecture and and beehives are sort of related and especially when we moved into the uh the sort of square box hives and how that changed human architecture and town planning and possibly social structure and all you know there's all there's so much in the beehive isn't there so much mm. inspiration and symbolism mm. I went off on a bit of a tangent there, but yeah, yeah, propolis is great. I didn't know about the ant thing. That's really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So so nature has so much to teach us, doesn't it? Oh, definitely. The more we learn. For those who haven't got a a hive of bees or whatever, you can actually get propolis, um, certainly from James's company, and presumably, I don't know, can you go into, you know, your average health shop and get propolis in capsule form? I I think the the place where I see it most commonly is in toothpaste. I think that's probably where your general public will, will have heard of or read or seen propolis in a, on a tube of toothpaste somewhere. Mm. And because it's so good for your your teeth and in dentistry mm. and cleaning the mouth. But I don't think I've not I've not seen it. It probably is. I remember my my mum is quite a kind of alternative health type character. And I remember in childhood she had some propolis capsules once or something saying this is really good for you you know <laughs> every time i see her there's something different there that she says is really good for you and yeah. uh so that was probably after the the sun article <laughs> that was probably after that wasn't it back back in whenever that was the 80s or something and uh yeah. I, just, I just hope with all this stuff that it, the impetus doesn't you know doesn't die and that somehow um everyone can can uh, be a vanguard of this kind of medicine therapy because yeah. people just need to know more about it and 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 it needs to become more more online doesn't it for for everybody and if you're a beekeeper you can post james fernley some of your propolis as well he does buy it from people ah, uh, and um to assess it how, if it's you know because some propolis it's it's from a broad source of different trees and different places and it has slightly different potency and different characteristics so you can send him some and see if yours is 
good enough mm. <laughs> sort of thing. And, and, and then you, you might be able to strike a deal with him. I think he still does that. Well, let's put all his uh, details and, and what have you on, on, our, on our notes for this episode. Um, and I do feel he's, ugh, I feel this about a lot of people we talk to, but he's somebody we just need to go and talk to again about all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, great, great talker, great knowledge. Yep, hopefully we'll catch up with James again. And uh, thanks for listening to Living Being, as always. And uh, you can subscribe to us or uh, tweet about us, check us out on Facebook, all that sort of thing. And uh, hope to see you again on Living Being. See you soon. Cheerio.